just that comfortability, that state yeah. of mind that you know that check is coming every what two weeks? Every two weeks. Um, but it was good. It was love. Um, made my way up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, in my four years at Pepsi, um, kind of was on a fast track to like a BP position. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think. Um, even having all the perks, you know, taking clients to the Panthers games and yeah. going to all the concerts and making a lot of money and traveling yeah. was cool, but yeah. I just always felt there was more to uh, give to the world. Right. Um, and I think one of the things that I was blessed to do growing up is have a dad that was an entrepreneur yeah. um, and See. that showed, right. hey, there's different ways to go around this whole like success mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah. And so for me, I always chased that flexibility. Mm-hmm. And while I was at Pepsi, you know, I, I started working on some things. Yeah. And um, I think it was from seeing what my dad did and hearing about what my granddad did yeah. as well. I was just like, yo, there is more to this world than mm-hmm. just working that nine to five for a company. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of came to the point to where you had to make that decision. Welcome to the Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. today's podcast, we have the pleasure of speaking with my friend and brother from another mother, Desmond Wiggin. He went from a comfortable corporate fast track to VP position to packing his bags and heading to China where he will pursue his MBA and gain exposure to culture and technology. His goal is to change the narrative of African Americans in the tech space while building a legacy for his family. He's now back in Charlotte building a company which is called Battery Exchange where it looks to keep life charged on the go. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Uncensored. I got the homie. Hey, we have like a thousand names, you know, I do, but I but, do, but if, if you know him, it's A Wig. You know, Desmond, man, so glad to have you on the show, bro. Um, what's going on, man? Man, nothing much, man. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Um, been you know watching you grow, um, especially in the podcast space and just building a brand, man. So it's dope to be asked to be a part of this um, beautiful thing that you're building, man. Absolutely, bro. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, actually, long time coming. Right. Uh, we wanted to have you on for a while. And so, obviously, you know, you guys already heard the formal intro that I gave. But just in your own words, man, just share with the people a little bit about who you are, you know, what you're about, all that jazz. Yeah, you know definitely. Um, originally from New York, uh, grew up in Charlotte. But I think my, um, you know, who I am spans from... Uh, being a Jamaican heritage, uh, first generation yeah. um, American, and honestly, I'm pretty much living out the blessings that my ancestors uh, pretty much sacrificed and yeah. prayed for. Right? Yeah. And so the way I'm currently doing that right now um, is managing uh, the CEO and co-founder of Battery Exchange, 
um, and just trying to build something really, really cool and change the narrative for Love it. you know how we're represented yeah. uh, in the tech space. So, Dope. well, he didn't tell y'all he's also part of the wavy game. You know, I haven't got my haircut yet this week, so don't judge me. I but, see. You know, I see. Oh, oh, we going in, but I'm, but I'm, I'm back in in a couple of days. But but nah, man, appreciate you uh, uh, sharing that. So just to kind of unpack this a little bit. So you know, I know when I first met you, you were working with Pepsi, you know, I was actually kind of surprised. Yeah. I was like, yo, man, like this, this, this dude, he's young, sharp. Like, who's this guy? Well, he's a, he's a bruss. So, you know, starting to make sense. Um, shout out to the bruss. And um, so I was like, I got to kind of know you underneath that light. And then after you know a couple of years, you started to move, you know, make some different moves. And then next thing you know, you're like, yo, like I'm, I'm going to, I think you started out in Kansas, right? Yeah. Like, and was it your international MBA? Yeah, yeah. Right. So to, you know, start the path to pursue your international MBA. And so talk a little bit about like that transition, because I mean, I'm, I was at the rival when I first started, I was at Coke, yeah. right? And so I know what that life is like, free golf tournaments, right. you know what I'm saying, get to play in all the foursomes, they sponsor everything. It's love, right? Mm-hmm. From a, from a comfort level, but like, what changed? Like, what sparked something inside of you? It was like, you know what? Like, this is cool, but, like, this is not the long-term plan. Yeah, definitely. And you bring up a good point because I was actually just thinking about this, like, yesterday, right? Yeah. Just that comfortability, that state yeah. of mind that, you know, that check is coming every, what, two weeks? Every two weeks. Um, but it was good. It was love. Um, made my way up really quickly mm-hmm. um, in my four years at Pepsi. Um, kind of was on a fast track to, like, a VP position. Dope. Um, but for me, I think... Um, even having all the perks, you know, taking clients to the Panthers games and yeah. going to all the concerts and making a lot of money and traveling yeah. was cool, but yeah. I just always felt there was more to uh, give to the world. Right. Um, and I think one of the things that I was blessed to do growing up is have a dad that was an entrepreneur yeah. um, and See. then showed, right. hey, there's different ways to go around this whole like success mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah. And so for me, I always chased that flexibility. Mm-hmm. And while I was at Pepsi, you know, I, I started working on some things. Yeah. And um, I think it was from seeing what my dad did and hearing about what my granddad did yeah. as well. I was just like, yo, there is more to this world than mm-hmm. just working that nine to five for a company. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of came to the point to where you had to make that decision. Yeah. So you made a decision, and you say you, you figure out the dynamics of the program. You go from Charlotte in the city with your family, with your boys, everything to Kansas, right? Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah like like what, like that. Just that transition. You can even go from there and go straight into Kansas, and then how you transition to uh, ultimately China. But just mm-hmm. tell us about that that transition phase. Yeah. So. Working at Pepsi, um, I was actually starting a few companies um, because one of the things that I always wanted to do was, um, you know, see the world uh, and get my MBA. Mm -hmm. Um, And in essence, I was going back to Jamaica every year, um, two times a year, and just kind of seeing where I could kind of help out. Um, There was Mm -hmm. this like not just digital divide, but Mm -hmm. resource constriction that individuals had down there and I wanted to do yeah. something about it. So that sparked the okay. essence of the first company I came up with. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of got to the point to where um, I would have had to move down there mm-hmm. um, in order to make this this thing work. And yeah. just, man, I actually had a one-way ticket going down there. Word. Yeah, man, yeah. I had booked it, told my family. I was just like, man, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm off. Like, we're yeah. going to Jamaica. Yeah, so we, which I'm is like, love, yeah, though, by the yeah, way. Like, I think yeah. I'm going to try to get out there in August. Yeah, and, um, and just make this impact. But it wasn't, like, God's timing. 
So mm-hmm. something happened, mm-hmm. and it just, I, I took that as a, a sign. Yeah. And so I went back to the drawing board and started to look at MBA programs. I was yeah. looking at, like, Carolina State, just some regional type things. Right. But they didn't have the international experience that I was looking for. Okay. It was, like, a few weeks. It was yeah. a month. And the program that I found out of Kansas um, really would allow me to go there for almost two years. Yeah. And so I was like, of course. Yeah. You know, because one of the things I learned in Jamaica was that China – was helping to build a lot of the infrastructure down there. So okay. I started to see, I got you. hey, like they're doing something cool out there. Like yeah. I need to go out there and learn. Okay. Um, so ended up getting into the program yeah. eight months after being distraught from not being able to go to Jamaica. Yeah. I'm in essence starting this MBA program. Yeah. I'm in Kansas. Right. Um, and initially I was supposed to just go to China for a year, uh-huh. but something happened. Yeah. And they were like, you know, you want to go earlier? I was like, yeah, put me yeah, on a plane. put me down. But one of the things that, like, I've always, you know, felt, you know, is, is my thing. is just, mm-hmm. like, ready to adapt, ready to, you know, take on the next task. Mm-hmm. Um, my friends, family always say that, like, you never stay still. Like, mm-hmm. I love traveling. I love mm-hmm. seeing the world. And I felt like there was so much for me to learn out there. So, yeah. in essence, a few months later, I, um, I dove headfirst into, yeah. into China. Yeah. Now, that's huge, man. We actually got a chance, me and the homies, got a chance to go out there. Dude was like a native. You know what I'm saying? He knew everything, knew the apps, knew how to maneuver, and it was love. And it just shows you the power of your network and exposure because I can't say that I had a date on the calendar to go to Shanghai or China in general, right? And so it was dope going out there and just seeing how, like, in a, in a crazy, with a crazy amount of people, how you just were, you know, able to thrive and really, you know, come into your own. And so I don't want to dig into it too much because we'll talk about like your you know current startup later on in the podcast, but just because this is the uncensored show and I want to get people like the backstory of like how people ultimately get here because I always see like the results. Yeah. Like let's talk just a little bit about like um, you know those situations where you were planning to start something and it just didn't like it didn't go according to plan, right? Yeah, yeah. I think um, it just comes down to like how resilient you are. Right? Yeah. Um, I started a few companies actually, yeah. and I think it just got to the point to where I'm either going to, you know, stop full time and say, "Hey, let me just go to this nine to five mm-hmm. or take these quote unquote failures mm-hmm. and learn for the next opportunity. Right. And I think my ability to do that allowed, in essence, like right. to bring into the light where, where I'm at now. Yeah. And um, I think that um, support system as yeah. well. I think the homies, I think, you know. Yeah the circle that you surround yourself with, right. if those individuals are entrepreneurs mm-hmm. um, and go-getters, then yep. it just makes that process easier because they see you fail and yeah. they're like, man, hey, just figure it out for the next time. Yeah, you, you got know, it. Just yep. brush it off. So. Yep. Dope. So speaking of support system and all the transition we're talking about, um, so before you went out to China, so before you went out to Kansas, were you and you and Phoenicia, which Phoenicia is his now wife, um, were you guys, and you were guys weren't engaged yet, right? Nah, nah, man. Yeah. Um, so, left Pepsi, kind of had all my money, and knew I was going into the NBA program, so mm-hmm. just kind of put it into that. Um, but for me, I knew that I was going to be gone for so long, mm-hmm. and I really wanted um, to make sure she was secure, and yeah. like I was secure. I was going around the world, right? Right, right, right. And so um, I planned a, I, I normally, and you've been yeah, to yeah. a few birthday functions. Yeah, yeah. You kind of know how I do it. Um, so I planned this uh, birthday event where 
I felt like it was a time that everybody was celebrating me mm-hmm. um, to going off to China, getting into this MBA program. But it would be a time to bring her family and her friends in the circle right. to um, plan an engagement. So we ended yeah. up just going ahead and doing that. And I felt like that could, um, in essence, have her something to look forward to. Yep. Um, as far as like you know the wedding planning, which yeah, is yeah, a whole yeah. other situation. Right. When right. you're trying to build a company. Right. But um, right. yeah. So, so you, man, you had, so you had a lot of moving parts. So you went from Charlotte, working full-time, to diving in the NBA program, going to Kansas, ultimately going to China, getting engaged. And, and if you don't mind even sharing a little bit about that, like, so, because I know a lot of people who are in our age group and our demographic, it's like, okay, so at this point, they probably do have a relationship, right? Whether they're dating, seriously engaged, married, or whatever. So is there anything you can share with us in terms of, like, what that's like pursuing something that's so big and then knowing that you have, you know, like that you're dating somebody and I mean, or in this case, married to somebody like what does that dynamic look like at a high level? Yeah, I think one of the key things that I did a few years back mm-hmm. was um, understand the individual that was going to be ready for a serious relationship. Right. right, right, right. Um, so building whatever mm-hmm. it was for those few years yep. after like 24, 25 mm-hmm. um, in order to be ready for a big jump like this. Right. And then afterwards, when you do find that individual, mm-hmm. it's all about like execution, right? Like, yeah. I think a lot of us sometimes think there's a perfect time for everything. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I just roll with the punches. It's just like, it makes sense. Yeah. You know, we love each other. Yeah. You know, we're, we're trying to start this, you know, family. I'm trying to start this business, whatever right. the case. Let's not wait for a perfect situation. I feel like that's yeah. where a lot of us yeah. millennials, like, we, to, like, yeah, we, all the ducks in a row. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got you. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, so fast forward a little bit. You're in China. You're getting your footing. You're getting your foundation. You love it out there. You're learning, love obviously. It, miss it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, really starting to learn the landscape. And I'm guessing at what point in China did something click for you for like your, and we're going to get into the details of your current startup later, mm-hmm. but like, was it like something that just clicked for you? Like, yo, this is going to be the thing or like what? What happened to let you know, like, okay, I, I'm ready to, for a new venture, and this is going to be the thing? I think from the exposure that I had, uh-huh. um, because I went in, like, full force. Like, yeah. I hung out with Asians. I worked um, for a tech company out there mm-hmm. that gave me some crazy exposure. I built my yeah. Quan Chi, which is, like, your network okay. that allows you to do some things that I probably shouldn't have right. been able to do. Um, started building relationships um, with both the U.S. and China mm-hmm. on some high level as far as like manufacturing or just like innovative technology and yeah for me it was just like this is five to ten years ahead of what i was currently seeing mm-hmm. in my my old job or like yeah. my current uh, my old atmosphere so it's just like sure. jump on board figure out how you can play mm-hmm. um along those lines as far as like figuring out your niche mm-hmm. and um i i, I just honestly the dots kind of lined up and i just rolled with it yeah um and just kind of made it happen so no i get it that makes perfect sense so you kind of laid the foundation for what you're working on now which we'll talk about a little bit later um but let's talk about so again all about transition it seems like in this in this particular season of your life so you go from uh full-time job killing it nba china now you're heading back let's fast forward so you graduate you're heading back, right? But you're heading back to a different America in the sense of what you, how you remembered it in your capacity, right? So talk to us about just, like, what was, like, 
where were you at with your headspace at that point? Because it's like, I just got to exposed to everything and now I'm back in the States and like, I know what I want to do. I'm laser focused, but I'm not, I'm just starting. Right. So let's just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Full transparency. I wasn't even ready to come back to America Um, for a few reasons. I felt like there was still Mm -hmm. stuff that I wanted to uh, gain on areas that I wanted to grow. Yeah. But uh, sometimes God is just like, yo, you're going to go when I say to go. And so it was, it was really something that led on the lines of that. I was getting married um, and kind of making that transition. So one of the things that, and I think communication was important as well with like the wife, it was just Mm -hmm. like, yo, I'm coming back and I know we're putting all this money into this wedding and I know I don't want to get a nine to five, but I'm going to kind of figure out how I can build this company. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it was a struggle, but I think in essence, um, humbling yourself before, Mm -hmm. you know, just diving into anything yeah. um, is, is something that I, I figured out. So when I came mm-hmm. back, I said, yeah, I'm going to have to figure out multiple streams of income. Mm-hmm. So I was, that's when I started working with Black Tech, yeah. which was like phenomenal, allowed me to kind of grow my network. Shout out to Sherelle and right? the team. Yeah. Um, started consulting for a Chinese company and then Ubering like yeah. when I had to um, just to in essence like do what I have to do to you know be sustainable with right. my family right. or whatever so I, honestly just humbling yourself yeah. and figuring out how you get to that next level right and you literally took the thought because I obviously know the backstory you literally articulated it perfectly and the reason why I wanted you to highlight that is because people see startup and they just think ooh start a company get funding you know go public boom game over right and like for every facebook for every you know popular tech company right whatever you want to call them that you see that go the IPOs there's a thousand L's yeah, right yeah, yeah. and so there's so much backstory um, that people don't know about when it comes to like doing the company so I'm glad you shared that with us um, one of the things that i know that you shared with me recently or that you've been sharing just publicly recently is the importance of just like having the right people around you and not just like your network with your friends, but like, um, you know, your, your team, like your mentors, your advocates, mm-hmm. you know, talk a little bit about like you, you know, cause you're on the path, you know, if you don't mind me saying like to build, you know, a multi-million, if not billion dollar, you know, uh, corporation, right. Mm-hmm. Company. So like, talk to us about like, what do you do to keep your headspace in the right place? Mm-hmm. I think it's really being intentional on what's going to be that balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that your family is first and foremost, mm-hmm. um, individuals that you can be, you know, transparent with, not going to judge you, yeah. um, going to trust your decisions. Mm-hmm. And then your circle of friends, like our per- power circle, yeah. um, those individuals that I can lean on and say, mm-hmm. man, I'm just having a tough time. Yeah. Um, and then outside of that is um, professional individuals mm-hmm. such as like therapists, um, business mentors, business mm-hmm. coaches. Um, that you can just sit down and literally it's going to be full on. I'm not going to judge you. I'm here to help you. Mm-hmm. And it's just another set of ears that mm-hmm. you can land on. And one thing that I like to do is find individuals that look nothing like me, mm-hmm. have nothing in common. <laughs> and yeah. I know that's a little different than a lot of people. Like they like to be comfortable. Right. But I'm trying to grow in perspective right. and just the way I think, the way I see how other people, you know, move and maneuver. Mm-hmm. So I feel like yeah. I learned that from my therapist yeah. right now. And so I, I think that has allowed me to honestly get through the fa- the, the last, you know, eight months of my life has been crazy from mm-hmm. like nothing when I yeah. came back to yeah. like, oh, it's kind of kind of moving into a, the right circle. But it's just right. like getting in with those therapists, yeah. or those coaches or groups 
right. um, or circles that can kind of keep you balanced in order to get to that next yeah. level. Yeah. This podcast episode is sponsored by Battery Exchange. Let me tell you a little bit about Battery Exchange. I'm actually really good friends with the founder of the company, and the company is great, right? Because if anybody knows me, my phone always dies. I mean, all the time, no matter what. And so what they do is they help you live life charged. Why? How do they help you do that? So they have smart kiosks around the city where basically you pull out your phone, you search where the kiosk is located, and it'll show you where the kiosks are, and you can basically check out a portable battery right for a nominal cost so whether you're out on a town with friends you're at a concert uh you know you're out to dinner and you're like man my phone's about to die instead of having to ask the bartender hey can you plug my phone up behind the bar or trying to figure out where you're you know you can plug your phone up you can just locate one of those kiosks check out a battery charge on the go you don't have to worry about your phone being somewhere else or your phone actually being dead which is the worst possible outcome and literally um it charges you know very very rapidly i actually got a chance to use it uh, multiple times and it works really really well and they're going to help people stay connected right because if we're being honest our cell phones are a vital component of our everyday life so if you haven't checked it out before check out battery exchange uh, they are rapidly expanding, so kiosks will be popping up everywhere before you know it. Um, but if a kiosk is available near you and your phone is about to die, don't fret because Battery Exchange is here to save the day. So I feel like this is a perfect transition. We've been alluding to it uh, throughout the podcast. If anybody knows me, they knows my phone dies every day. There's not a day that goes by that my phone dies. And it seems so simple. I mean, it's 2019. You would think, why is that still a thing? Why am I at the airport? Why am I traveling? Why am I all these places? And it's like a hassle. And I got cords falling out of my pocket. Like, you know, and then here you come along with this this genius uh, yet simplistic um, invention. And let's talk a little bit about that and how this spawned into what your current venture is. Yeah, definitely. So um, the company's named Battery Exchange. Um, it's pretty much a rental platform, okay. and we provide portable batteries for sure. cell phone users, right, in a simple, um, minute level. And okay. the reason being is literally because our cell phone is now our lifeline. True. Right? It's how we communicate to our family and friends. Right. It's how we, you know, are responsive to um, emails, mm-hmm. work-related, um, yeah. and it's how we receive information. Yeah. Um, it's a computer on steroids, right? Basically. It's in your pocket. And so for, you know, us at Battery Exchange, we just saw, we were in those spaces to where we were at events, we were at the bar, mm-hmm. and our phone was dying, and yeah. then we were disconnected with our communities. Right. And so for us, seeing how important, like, family is, and, like, the connection to things that matter to mm-hmm. people, um, we just figured we'll create a solution that kind of alleviates that pain point and allows yeah. people to continue to keep their life moving. Okay. So essentially, you're saying that it's a portable charge, so I'm out, my phone's dead. Like, walk me through how, how, how it ultimately works, Yeah, right? definitely. So, we have um, kiosk machines that yeah. have uh, portable batteries that are locked into place. Okay. And it's as easy as downloading that application, and mm-hmm. that application allows you to identify where those are located, right? Okay. So, it could be in a particular venue, like yeah. a bar or restaurant, or okay. it could be at an event center. Duh. Um, whatever the case, then you find the machine, you scan a QR code. Um, you obviously create an account, right. scan the QR code, get connected, and then you pay a fee. Um, it, we wanted to keep it minimal yeah. because we wanted people to not think twice. So mm-hmm. it's a dollar to rent the battery, okay. and each minute after that is five cents. Right? Uh, and, it, and it works, y'all. Like I was at a, to, to his point, I was at a conference mm-hmm. that they were actually, um, you know, a sponsor of or something in that capacity, a vendor, and 
you know, the table was flooded because it was like people were trying to connect, they get numbers, and then next thing you know, your batteries drain. But people were literally coming back in like 20, 30 minutes with like 90%, yeah. you know? So it definitely works. Um, and so definitely super excited to see the trajectory of what you guys are going to be able to do. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on, um, because in, you know, I feel like in our space, right, one of the things mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to do and I'm trying to do uniquely is really educate people of color on how to move and how to get access to like things that typically haven't been positioned for us right and so i wanted to spend just a little bit of time like we loosely throughout the term startup right mm-hmm. um most black people they think of like just small business they don't startup is kind of like oh, i've heard it before i don't really know what it means so if you could at a high level um just walk us through like what it means to be a startup and like what is kind of like the goal and the growth plan for like a startup and here's for with context you know, when Uber went public, everybody was like, oh, Beyonce made X yeah. amount of dollars, and which was wrong, by the way. She did make a good amount of money, but it was wrong how they stated it. Um, and so, but people are starting to, like, hear these words. And I, I know that just in casual conversation that we've had, you even educated me on some of these concepts. So at a high level, like, if I'm a startup and I'm setting myself up to maybe go public one day, just mm-hmm. what does that look like from funding and series rounds and all these buzzwords that we hear? If you could kind of give us a high-level breakdown, that'd be phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that I had to learn, um, honestly, going through a few companies, right? I, yeah. I, I kind of want to start up to um, how you're set up. Okay. Um, so a lot of times we hear, like, LLC and then, like, mm-hmm. potential C-Corp, right? Yep. And so an LLC, to me, is more so of a controlled, uh, not smaller, um, sometimes considered like a lifestyle company, but I believe it's a company that is made for a particular region, right? Yeah. So a particular city, um, it could be anything from a mom and pop shop mm-hmm. to uh, somebody that has like a brand that they're trying to build out. Um, what's different is like a C-Corp or a corporation many times, um, and startups, right? Yeah. Those are potential high growth companies, right? Mm-hmm. So the companies that could potentially receive some type of VC, um, venture capital, um, that could potentially allow them to scale across mm-hmm. not just a city, right. uh, it could be a state, it could be across the nation. Right. So I think on a minute level is, like a lot of people need to understand that it, it's you kind of have to set yourself up correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that we did in the beginning mm-hmm. was we were at LLC because yeah. that's all we knew. Right, right. Then right. we started to build out our business model and kind of learn about the legal standpoint to mm-hmm. see, hey, if you want to get money, um, like we talk about millions of dollars one day, right. um, investors are a little bit more um, comfortable with mm-hmm. C-Corps Got it. out of Delaware, right? Okay. Delaware um, in particular have uh, laws and uh, that are more controlled. Um, mm-hmm. They're not going to change as often. Yeah. And for instance, big corporations or big investors don't necessarily have to learn each state's law. They just yep. kind of understand Delaware. Dope. So that's that minute level. And then there's obviously fundraising. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in essence, you have your uh, pre-seed, which this is you're raising a couple thousand dollars, yeah. um, tens of thousand dollars. Right. And this right. comes from family and friends. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's from individuals that believe in you. Yeah. Um, they've seen you grow. They mm-hmm. it's still more so in the ideation, right. but you're you're raising enough money to come up with like an MVP, right, gotcha. or a prototype and minimum viable product, something that you could put in the hands of a user so that they could understand at least understand yeah. the concept. Like, oh, I get it. Of course, it'll be refined in the future. Okay, mm-hmm. got it. So you do that, and then the next stage would be like the seed round, right? Mm-hmm. So that's anywhere from ten thousand that you're raising to like two million. Okay. Two million 
would be in a perfect world. Yeah. If you raising two yeah. million, come see me, right? Yeah. Um, and that's where you may potentially bring on like angel investors. So okay. in, in the individuals that the difference between an angel investor is just somebody that's willing to take a risk at an early stage. So sometimes mm-hmm. angels come in when you don't even have a prototype. Yeah. The, the idea is just that good to where they're just like, hey, Dang. I'm going to help you get there. Like, and so in that so is that seat, term interchangeable angel and VC or no? Um, yeah, it's two different type of mm-hmm. um, individuals, but angels normally come up in the beginning in and the they're beginning. willing to take that risk. Okay. A VC is all about ROI. Right. right? They so, want to be able to see like the exactly. prop, potential profitability yeah. of the company. Okay. You've built out your business model. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a strategy on when you're going to pay that back mm-hmm. and you're really executing. And that's where the series rounds come in. So series A, you're raising anywhere from like... I think it's like two to fifteen million. Okay. Um, and though, and that's just like, hey, I developed something. Let me further develop that. And right. Let me build out my first few markets. Right. Got gotcha. you. Then you get your Series B, which um, is like seven to like fifty million, mm-hmm. and that's more so of just the next round to allow me to scale at a different level. And then right. C, which is fifty plus gotcha. as far as like raising, and that's. Definitely from VCs. Gotcha. Um, but those are like, hey, I'm trying to take this company to like what we call like a high growth, which mm-hmm. I can take this company across the nation, or mm-hmm. if it's a SaaS company, which is software based, there's enough demand to where it makes sense for me yeah. to get that $50 million investment. Got so. it. That's huge. That's huge because that's like another language that people just don't know. There are people talk about getting funding, you know, they're thinking about like, hey, can my mom loan me a hundred bucks, you know what I'm saying, to get this business license. And and one thing that uh, I think um, is interesting too in the investment space, and you'll know this, is not everybody could just invest in your company. Like, Mm -hmm. mostly you have to be an accredited investor, and I think um, you have to, uh, you'd be making around 200k, a like year. 250, 250, mm-hmm. and then if you have a spouse, it's like three, three yeah, three, something three, like yeah, that, something mm-hmm. like that. So not everybody can invest, right? So a right. lot of people do uh, loans. Um, you even hear about like convertible notes to where like you can pretty much take a loan and it converts into shares at a later time. Gotcha. Um, so that's something that's pretty popular. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just what, what are so? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was, I was just gonna tap into one, one thing that I think is interesting. Um, in the investment space now is the crowdfunding. Yeah, portion. that's what I wanted. That's exactly okay, what I was okay, about to touch okay, on. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I think what's interesting with that is that everyday individuals can invest mm-hmm. in a potential Uber or yeah. a potential, um, you know, Apple. To yeah. be honest, yeah. Um, back in the day, you just had to be a credit investor mm-hmm. to get dibs on that, right? Or or just have the connection or relationship to say, hey, like I'm I'm Steve Jobs' cousin or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's it's huge, and I think I wanted to bring that up because we're seeing a little bit more now, mm-hmm. and it's like. Guys, like you got to take advantage of these opportunities. Me, even being a financial advisor, um, most of the companies that I help people invest in today have already IPO, right? Mm-hmm. They've been in the market for a while. They're established. Like these are the opportunities to, you know, if they come up, you know, for you to be able to invest in a company before, yeah. right? To be able to be on that horizon before they go public. Mm-hmm. It's just like anything else. Once everybody else knows about it, not to say that it's bad, yeah. but like you might have missed out on a huge window of opportunity. And we saw a really successful one. Um, uh, Don Dixon, she Hot launched time. one, yeah. and I think she—I can't remember the exact. Actually, was able to get in on that. I can't remember the exact number she raised off the top of my head, but it was, I want to say it was. It was a mil. It was over. It was a little over a mil, and then they opened it up like towards the end. So I think it's like a little over a mil, yeah. um, in probably what, ninety days. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that marketing campaign is huge, like to build up that buzz, let people know like about the opportunity. So I'm definitely excited to see that come down the pipeline. Hopefully, I'm an investor even before that. <laughs> but um, we'll talk about that offline. Right. Right. 
But uh, nah, man, um, that's great. Really, really appreciate you breaking that down because I know a lot of people who are listening to this may have like loosely heard some of that terminology, but never heard it. You broke it down very simple and straightforward. And so, um, one quick just question for my edification. So, anything after a C round was that the fifty million and above? Um, the series round. The series round, yeah. Um, fifty, yeah. And so, right when you're at that state, you're looking for acquisition or I got you. Right? Okay, like so. Got you. Because I, I heard like I know like Uber, they had like they had had like. Later, C, yeah, like you can go D E F. Okay, but but, but, but no, pretty much yeah, after yeah. C is just like fifty million in a month. And you obviously know, like it's because of profitability oh, that yeah. they kept raising. You know, Absolutely. so if you're making money, yeah. there's no reason for you to kind of exactly. hold on to it or exactly. continue to raise. Which so. is a whole another interesting dynamic, yeah. and probably another conversation for another day. How um, companies are not even really building for profitability anymore, right? They're they're building to sell, yeah. they're building to be acquired. So that's another conversation for another day. Um, but what is uh, what's next for you, man? Personally and professionally, like what are like what's kind of like the top of the thing on the radar for you personally? Professionally? Um, I'll start off with professionally is obviously building this company up. Um, yeah, I think from seeing over the last year, from having nothing to you know building what we have now, it's been interesting. Yeah. and going into the the, the fundraising portion. Sure. Is something that's new to me, mm-hmm. but it's exciting as well because yeah. it's just like, hey, like you're about to raise, you know, a couple hundred thousand or whatever it yeah. is, and it's just doing things that, in essence, people mm-hmm. look at me and possibly say, like, how do you do it? Yeah, it's just like it can't be done. So, mm-hmm. um, just focus on that, building out our team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have about, I would say, close to ten, and a lot of them are like part-time yeah, advisors for type sure. of thing. But um, just kind of building that out, me and my co-founder are just going full-fledged in mm-hmm. there now. And then um, on a personal level is just remaining balanced, yeah. um, doing what I can do. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the, the key word is more intentional yeah. on that balance mm-hmm. um, and having fun with this whole life thing. Yeah. I think a lot of times even seeing success or not seeing success, right. um, we could get distraught or, like, too excited to, mm-hmm. like, not live in the moment. Right. And so that's something Huge. that, yeah. Um, I'm just really trying to do, uh, you know, just really spend time with like my family. Yeah. My my little brother just graduated from high school. I saw that. Shout out to little bro. Yeah, man. So just being in the lives of like my wife, my family, and um, you know the things that make me happy. Yeah. And getting back to golfing, like yeah. things, you know, things like that. Stuff, that right? just, just actually just, making time to just do it. Yeah. Enjoy. That's dope, man. So. Where can we find you if we want to get connected with you? If we want to be, you know, make sure that we're in tune whenever the crowdfund campaign goes live, or just to learn more about like what you got going on. Where where can we get connected with you? Yeah, um, Instagram is probably first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, Worldwide Wigs. Okay. Um, I'll, put in the, I'll put in the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. I'll put in the show notes for right, you. Right. Uh, Battery <laughs> Exchange Inc. on IG and then LinkedIn is always fine. And then um, you know. I, I try to, you know, share stuff on my story on mm-hmm. IG just to kind of showcase a day in a life. Yeah. Because I think we hear this narrative a lot of people just seeing the success. Right. And I feel like we still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. But if I could bring people along that journey right. and, you know, allow people to, somebody to be inspired and like get mm-hmm. over that hurdle. Like, yep. that's what I'm trying to do. So, Perfect, Dope, yeah. I love it. So, uh, this is new for me because I uh, traditionally had a, a, a different way I close out episodes in my previous podcast. So the way I want to close this out is by asking you, what does it mean to live uncensored? And so the definition of uncensored is not having any part deleted or suppressed, right? Mm-hmm. So what does that mean to you in your life? 
not living life uncensored? I think that it means living your full self. Um, I think in essence, like even coming back to America, I felt like there was this, and like coming from corporate, Mm -hmm. there was this facade of like who I was supposed to be. And in essence, it wasn't my true self. And I feel like the person that I'm living now um, is that, Mm -hmm. is uncensored. That's everything from the culture that I'm building with my business to my personal life. And I think when you reach that level of transparency with yourself to say, I'm gonna be who I am, regardless Mm -hmm. of how people feel, um, I think that's when you're living uncensored because you don't really care who has anything to say to you Dope, or like what they have to say to you. So. I love it. Yeah. Well, man, appreciate you coming on. You dropped hella gems. So I hope you guys took notes. And if you got any questions, I'm not sure if he's available. I know he's busy building a company, but um, if you got any questions, you know, hit him up on the DM. We're not bougie. You know, we'll respond All to right. the DM. So hit him up and stay plugged into what he has going on because he's doing something that is not typical for, for our culture. And so, you know, whenever you see people making those kind of moves, you want to, you know, stay close and um, stay for the journey. So appreciate you, man. Thank you guys for tuning in. Until next time. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of The Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours?